Welcome to the RHA podcast. My name is Richard Triggs, and today's guest is Lincoln Hopper, CEO and Board Secretary of the Multiple Sclerosis Society of Queensland. It's great to have you along today. I hadn't met Lincoln prior to doing this interview, but I found him to be a very engaging fellow and very enthusiastic in telling his story about how he started as a stockbroker in Sydney and is now leading a significant not-for-profit here in Queensland. And I was particularly interested in the innovative things he's doing in his sector, particularly in relation to how he's working closely with other related not-for-profits in driving change within the sector. But before I introduce Lincoln to you properly, let me firstly introduce myself to those who are new to the Arate podcast. My name is Richard Triggs, and I recruit CEOs, senior leaders, and non-executive directors for my clients throughout Australia. So if you have any recruitment needs in your business, I would welcome the opportunity to talk to you about that. Let me now introduce to you, Lincoln. Lincoln Hopper is the CEO and Board Secretary of MS Society of Queensland, a role he's held since October 2011. MS Society of Queensland assists over 2,800 people through their customer-focused initiatives and has an annual operating budget of $18 million. Lincoln has postgraduate qualifications in commerce and has held several directorships with community organisations, including ACOS, Mission Australia Early Learning Services, Mission Australia Housing Limited, and a number of others. He lives in Brisbane with his family. Sit back and enjoy this conversation with Lincoln Hopper. Well, Lincoln, welcome to the Aratech podcast. It's uh, great to have you along on what is an absolutely beautiful uh, spring day, uh, a Friday too. Have you got an exciting weekend planned? Uh, nothing at this point, which is very exciting. Right. I think I've got some downtime. So oh, that's good, good on you. Yeah. I've got uh, two kids and every weekend seems to be a kid's party here, <laughs> there. Right? But this is one weekend for me. I've got nothing nice. either. So nice. uh, I'm looking forward to uh, being pretty lazy. Sure. <laughs> So uh, just to begin with, for the benefit of people who are tuning in, um, just tell us a little bit about your current professional responsibilities. So I'm the CEO and company director here at the Multiple Sclerosis Society of Queensland. Yep. Um, so we obviously help people who live with MS or sure. another progressive condition like that. So uh, I guess I uh, ultimately uh, uh, am in charge of the show okay. uh, and the, the direction of the board, um, delivering a whole stack of initiatives across the state. Okay. Um, so we find ourselves doing some really interesting things to help support people. With sure. Uh, and what is uh, give us some idea of the size of the uh, the organisation? Yeah. So we we've got about two hundred employees. Um, most of those people are wrapped up in that care provision of people, okay. um, uh, and then supporting that you've got a fundraising team and a, a sort of corporate services team, right? Um, supporting from the back end. Um, we we are scattered across the state. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, our history sort of comes from the southeast corner, and uh, in recent times we've um, started to really get out into the regions of Queensland. But the majority of people would be, um, if, if you sort of threw a net over the state, right. they'd be in the southeast corner. Mm-hmm. Um, we turn over about eighteen million dollars a year uh, currently through government and philanthropic funds. Um, uh, own some property here and there that serves that purpose of our organisation mm-hmm. as well. And uh, you're the CEO for Queensland. Yeah. Correct. So how does it relate to you know your equivalent bodies in other states? Yeah. So it's kind of loose federation you'd call it. So right. um, uh, the history of the MS Society movement, if you like, is there's there's one of my type of organisation in every state and territory. Mm-hmm. But in recent times, some of those have come together. So okay. New South Wales, Victoria, ACT, and TAS are one organisation. Mm-hmm. Uh, SA and NT are one, mm-hmm. then WA and myself. So right. um, now we get together really quite regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, beg, borrow, and steal from each other, which is really neat. Um, have a really close working relationship with the other CEOs. Okay. Um, we have a national body that we all co-own um, and are members of. That's MS Australia, mm-hmm. and it's kind of changed its vision over time. Um, currently, it's it's doing some really neat work that only it can do in the communications and national advocacy space, okay, which yeah. is neat. So we both can work collaboratively then, mm-hmm. me, me at the state level, that at a national level. Mm-hmm. Um, and to sort of round out the picture, though, um, we have a national research arm mm-hmm. collectively, too, that we support um, as individual state societies. And, and so individually, and, uh, is it a separate business or do you collectively own that? Or yeah, that so it, it's it's actually a wholly owned subsidiary of MS Australia. Okay. And MS Australia is made up of the member state societies. Okay, so right. that's how that works. And its job is just to focus on and commission the best research it can mm-hmm. in the MS space. Okay. So um, it, it's a really fascinating other story probably for another day. Um but it came out of us all dabbling in research and probably not getting very far. Yeah. Ten years ago, we said, let's stop doing that, pool resources mm-hmm. and create a really profound solution mm-hmm. to that. Okay. What is the best thing to be backing? And um, ten years later, MS Research Australia funds significant uh, okay. research in, the, in that space. Oh, fantastic. And what are some of the uh, more exciting innovations or things that are, are happening in the space? Yeah, there's a global effort sort of trying to get to the end point of what causes this horrible thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if we know that, what can we do to fix it? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't quite know why, but we're very blessed with um, some some of those answers. Um, And if I parallel it to some other similar Mm -hmm. conditions, um, uh, within the last 25 years... um, uh, there's 13 treatments available in MS, but in Parkinson's there's only okay. been two. Right. So I don't quite know what that is, but right. um, um, for, for our uh, people that we serve, that's that's exciting to have more and more options in the armoury. Mm-hmm. Um, but MS Research Australia actually is taking a lead role in looking at um, the really difficult end of MS, what we would call progressive MS. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where symptoms just continue to layer upon layer upon layer and... Mm-hmm. and and the outcomes are quite difficult and poor okay. for people. And it's leading a global effort to get on top of and tackle that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, quite quite beautifully, some of the work to get to that answer is happening here in Brisbane. Wow. So, um, and, and we're wrapped up inside that story. So there's some incredible things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're, we're just really fired up about... Uh, the, the the insights we're gaining from that, um, the better treatments that are emerging, it just can't come fast enough, of course. Um, and so, while that's going on, and MS Queensland's playing a facilitating role there, mm-hmm. funding that, um, we're doing whatever we can on a daily basis to make life today a better day for someone who lives with this. While sure. that sort of 
big queue is coming, if you like, at some point down the track. So, so I really like my job, actually, because I get to do both of those things. One is a real big picture, let's eradicate this horrible thing from the planet, mm-hmm. like polio or smallpox mm-hmm. or anything else. And but while we're doing that, actually help people at the same time. Yeah, it's sure. a really lovely sort of... You know, and is there uh, some level of confidence that within the foreseeable future that will be the case? MS will be eradicated? Yeah, look, we're, we're, we're in a space where um, I'm very careful with my words because I, I, I've seen false hope provided to people with MS and other mm. conditions for, mm. so, for so long, um, promises of, of all sorts of things. But I will say... I started in this role six years ago and it was the question I asked. Mm-hmm. Um, I went and met the best neurologists I could and the researchers. Um, and I was um, amazed that they said to me, um, uh, absolutely within this generation, no question of it out, um, wow. maybe if we can really get a cracking link and maybe within 10 years. Okay. And, and, and um, that's them saying that to me. Um, that was six years ago. It was. And, and are you seeing that it's yeah, actually coming to we, fruition? We're certainly, um, on a daily basis, we're getting better, more and more insights into oh, this condition. Fantastic. And some of that work I mentioned earlier that's happening here in Brisbane is really honing down on that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so whether it's 10 years or the generational piece, mm-hmm. um, I think these are people that um, are often very careful with their words mm-hmm. and um, very qualified in that, and yet they're saying that to me. So... Mm-hmm. Um, so my message to people with MS um, uh, on a daily basis, or even if they're listening to this, is hang on, we're coming. Right. Um, and we just can't come, f- we can't come fast enough on that journey for people. But um, I'd like to think with advancements with technology and understanding, uh, it's certainly within our grasp. Okay, yeah. great. And so other than the, uh, the research, uh, what are some of the other services that uh, MS Queensland provide? Yeah, and this is really important because this is the other side to that, that that's... Um, all well and good, but but how does that help me today? And sure. so um, we, here's the other part of our vision, if you like. Um, so uh, we, we focus in five key areas, um, and I'll just sort of really broadly touch on those. But effectively, they're all about helping people get the best out of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may be today at a, at a newly diagnosed end, I've just had this horrible news delivered to me. What is this thing? And so we have a, an information service that we provide people to help them um, once they're over the Dr. Google phase mm-hmm. and being horrified by what this thing could do to them, um, we step in and actually say, here's the reality and the facts mm-hmm. of it. Um, and alongside that, we actually have some uh, uh, nurses who are experts in this space that help people then administer some of the treatments that they've been um, put on. Um, alongside that, counselling, of course, kicks in for people who... Um, not just at the newly diagnosed phase, but other phases as MS develops, maybe having some challenges with the disease, but probably more importantly with relationships or with employment. Mm-hmm. Or, and so then we, at that point, have a service that gets alongside people to help them navigate those changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're embedded across the states. So they're in local communities, mm-hmm. just available to people to say, OK, what's happening for you and how do we navigate mm-hmm. a solution through sure. this? Um, could be a change in job mm-hmm. or circumstance or finances or... Um, and then through right through to some other really hands-on, so we do a lot of allied health and physio, um, OT, occupational therapy, um, to keep people moving and well and, and on that pathway. And then at the sort of extreme end, when people can't live at home anymore, and sadly that's true for some people, mm. and we want to divert as many people away from the well-worn path to aged care, particularly when they're diagnosed at the average age of 30, mm. we're building stuff, actually. And so people, um, we're building homes for people mm. that... Um, find themselves in that circumstance and so we've got a whole 
range of people wrapped up in actually the 24-7 support of people okay. who are at, uh, at home or in one of these, these care places. Right. And what sort of numbers of people in Queensland, for example, have got MS? About 3,700 that we know okay. of. Um, it's not uh, an identifiable disease in that respect, so mm. people need to sort of fess up to having it, and that's a personal choice. Um, mm. um, some people refer to it as the invisible disease. At some points, um, you or I could live with this and we wouldn't know. Um, so we know about 3,700, 25,000 Australians and a couple of million around the world. Okay. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, look, uh, we'll talk more about uh, your role here a bit later in this conversation, but let's go back to uh, where it all began for you and tell me a little bit about you know where you were born and mum and dad, early life, growing up, etc. So um, I, I'm not a local, I have to fess up. So I'm a Mexican um, born in northern New South Wales. So as a crow flies, not too far from here, but yeah. um, just over the border, but um, a small town called Inverell. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, my parents had... Um, uh, had uh, roles within the Salvation Army okay. and um, had just stepped out of that and Dad went back to his practising accountancy mm-hmm. business and um, they'd mm-hmm. moved around Australia and I was the, f- the, the last child in our family to be born. I was born in Inverell where they'd sort of stopped after that okay. moving process. Sure. So so that's all I ever knew as a kid. Um, How many brothers or sisters did you have? I've, I'm one of five, so I've got four siblings. And um, you're the youngest. I'm the youngest. Wow, okay. Um, and uh, they're all incredible people, which is which is awesome, and we're we're a pretty tight family. Mm-hmm. Um, Mum and dad are no longer with us, but I, I guess the sort of residual family nature mm-hmm. means that we still um, talk to us, even though we're scattered around Australia. Okay. Um, but I grew up there, um, country kid, I guess at heart. If I describe myself, um, went to school, left school, followed the well-worn path to Sydney, as our family did. It was either mm-hmm. Sydney or Brisbane, and that's generally what people in Inverell did. Um, it was Sydney for me because my eldest had started university and that's what we sort of right. all followed in that, in that path. And when you were at high school, what were you thinking that you wanted to be when you grew up? I wanted to be an Air Force pilot. Okay. And um, my father, in all his wisdom, actually said to me, Lincoln, well, if, you, if you're serious about this, um, let's go do some medical tests mm-hmm. and bits and pieces and square that off just in case. Um, right. That gets in the way. Did all of that, all good. So on a, on a um, Persevered in all those subjects that matter to that mm-hmm. physics, maths, chemistry, all those things. Um, that on this side of it all, I wasn't that interested in. But anyway, here we, at the time, <laughs> it was for a purpose. Um, yeah. And between that moment and year twelve, I actually got glasses, right. and um, that spelled the end of that. Um, at the time, and still is, as I understand it, mm. that that was certainly a selection criteria mm-hmm. that. that and it's interesting because that's kind of all that I had. That was it. That was the plan, wasn't it? Right. Um, so a quick uh, diversion into what, what's the next best thing, or oh, that must be aeronautical engineering. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess to fill in, um, I, I can't remember. I have this little memory as a kid looking up at the sky, looking at this thing, this silver tube, and um, being fascinated by it. And I have been ever since. So mm-hmm. I don't quite know what that is. It's a bit of a hobby still. Um, and I've had pilot's licences and other things from my life. But... Um, Yes, this aeronautical engineering made natural sense to mm-hmm. me and um, that, that became the, the next best thing for me to sort of pursue. Okay. So you went to university to study that? That didn't happen. No. So I uh, get to the end of year 12 and um, Lincoln didn't make the grade. Okay. So um, this is a fascinating then what's going to happen because <laughs> here, here, plan A, well, glasses, plan B, oh, I didn't get enough marks. So And do you look at that and say, well... I didn't apply myself enough, or you just no. I, I think um, no. I think that was really um, without getting all profound meant to be. Right. Um, I, I am passionate about that as a hobby, but yeah. I can certainly see um, 
it was not something I was meant to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe it's just something I get to play with occasionally. So I actually then just literally went to Sydney. That's mm-hmm. that path I mentioned. Um, and uh, got myself a job. Mm-hmm. So that's where it all started. So, um, so what was job number one? Yeah, job number one. I worked in the mattress factory. And okay. um, that was six weeks. And uh, that was sort of a friend of a friend. And um, clearly sort of the, the, the family backdrop for us was... Uh, Doing nothing's not an option, so mm-hmm. you've got to be doing something. So, um, fell into that, and um, that that really a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, but out of that, I, I fell then into um, the finance industry. So mm-hmm. I became um, a chalky at the Sydney Stock Exchange, right? Um, and that was through a friend of a friend, or my dad sort of stitching something. I can't remember. Um, and that was fascinating because that's just a whole interesting world that doesn't exist now with no, guys running right. around in front of chalkboards sure. and getting yelled at all day. Yeah. And the timing's interesting too because that's 86, 87 and mm-hmm. we had a stock market crash in 87. So I was there that day and that, that's a, a pretty profound and exciting memory of mine um, watching all these people have a heart attack and me just sort of try to capture that on the blackboard. Um, and out of that, there was a fairly natural progression of chalkies um, to be sort of picked up by stockbroking firms mm-hmm. to then do other things that would you'd run around the stockroom floor answering telephones. Right. And then, then if you were any good at that, you'd then progress. So I, I, I worked through and become a licensed stockbroker. Okay. Just, it was a fairly sort of typical path for mm-hmm. people. Um, and uh, this is then about 1990. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of movies and shows that kind of really dramatise and, and make that world look really exciting, but was it as exciting as uh, people might think it was? Um, well, look, we're, we're just, that sort of stockbroking part of it, um, uh, I recognise, particularly with the stock market crash behind us, um, who my friends really were. Yeah. And... Um, and the next part of my journey actually answers that question because I actually walked away from that right. at that point. I and this isn't uh, a slight, a slur or a criticism of anyone in the finance industry, a little mm-hmm. disclaimer, but I didn't like what I was becoming. Right. And, um, and I think it comes back to that question around, well, plan A, plan B. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew this wasn't plan C. Mm-hmm. There was something else it was to do. So, um, yeah, I walked away and people were just... Uh, telling me how mad and crazy I, I, I walked away with nothing okay. um, to do um, and uh, sort of fell into the arms of a friend of mine who said look well why while you're waiting for a blinding flash of brilliance to tell you what to do next why yeah. don't you just come and see what I do and, mm-hmm. and he was uh, running the then Sydney City Missions Youth mm-hmm. Services so okay. some pretty tough end stuff with young people in um, the inner city of Sydney and mm-hmm. King's Cross um, so I went down and did a couple of shifts at this youth refuge. I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, and and I guess as a um, uh, from from a family perspective, mm-hmm. we had a really ingrained sense of social justice mm-hmm. and the importance of helping people in life and other things that were sort of backdrop to our family. And so that felt like a fairly natural thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I might as well do something again. Doing nothing's not an option, but I might as well help people mm-hmm. while I'm at it, and then I'll find my feet and figure out what it is. And that turned into a 21-year story mm-hmm. um, that became City City Mission, became Mission Australia and a national entity. And 12 or 13 jobs later in that um, that time period, um, I sort of popped out the other end of it with a very coherent sense of what I meant to do with myself. So, right. yeah, it, there's a lot inside that 21 years, but I think that that's sort of a, a truncated, I actually found where I was kind of mm-hmm. meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, that was great. Um, if it wasn't, 
plan D then. I probably would have kept searching for E and F until I, I guess that sense of um, I have a purpose mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm working my way to it somewhere. Mm. Nothing's wasted, all of those sorts of things. And I still tell people today um, I'm dragging out of that toolbox um, lots of experiences. So um, even at a stockbroking level, we were doing some financing stuff the other day and I just had a little chuckle to myself around some of the things I'd learned back there that I'm applying today. So um, I think it's all meant to be that way, but it, it's, it's lovely when I found my place, if mm. you like, and um, that certainly was on that social services side of the fence and applying myself to that. Um, I suppose, um, you know, when you go and you volunteer to help the homeless or you go from this heart connection more in the space of being on the ground, you know, doing yep. the actual work... Um, it's a different thing then to go, well, I actually could make a career out of this. So how, what um, were you cognizant of that started to percolate in you to say, well, there, there actually is a legitimate career path here for me? Yeah, definitely. And I think it, it sort of sits inside that um, small L and then capital L leader piece that um, uh, I certainly saw myself at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and activating that in every single job that I was doing. So, mm-hmm. But it, you're, you're right, though, at some point you, you can see, actually, I can turn this into something that I can stay in, apply myself to, and actually can become a career. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think I've ever really had, and still don't, some great um, end to this plan um, picture, although the older I get, I, I see the reality of needing to sort of plan my life a bit more effectively than I've done. But it's just been a case of uh, doing as well as I can, putting my hand up and crazy organisations being willing enough to say, yeah, we'll we'll give it a go. Mm. But um, that journey taught me, though, that the opening up of possibilities for actually being paid here, doing things, and, in fact, skill sets that are required to transform our industry now, Mm. um, it's it's more ever the case that this is a genuine career path. Mm-hmm. It's not just something to give back to once I've done something else with my life. Although mm-hmm. that's that that's true, and I met a lot of people who say, "I'd love to do your job because you know I just would like to help people." And I think, yeah, um, that's true. That's at the basis of I guess my purpose, but, mm-hmm. but it's not far removed from what you do every day yeah, either. Sure. It's just where, where it's pushed to, and it, it's not easy and it's hard. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, that sort of sense of once I've, I've squared off my my real career, I'll come back and actually throttle back somehow. I don't mm-hmm. think that's throttling back is probably not a term I use in my job. Um, but along that journey was the discovery that, look, this can be something that can sustain both of those mm-hmm. aspects, uh, financially, a career, genuinely so, and also doing something quite profound mm-hmm. in society. And as you said, uh, you were with Mission Australia for about 21 years. Yeah. And over the course of that time, you know, you had a... A number of iterations of your, your role as you grew in responsibility, and I noted from you know looking at your CV that uh, you, you moved you know into new projects and all kinds of different things. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you know that 21 years unfolded for you in terms of the development of your role and professionally and so on. So um, I cut my teeth in Kings Cross mm-hmm. um, in that experience I mentioned before. So that was working with. Um, young people who were homeless and uh, this was a 24-hour youth refuge um, and I became a youth worker. Um, I became a senior youth worker then managing other youth workers and then I became the manager of that unit. So there's this sort of natural mm-hmm. stepping stone I guess as I built my skill base and activated my leadership. Um, 
And then it was just a progression of putting my hand up for these other challenging tasks. So I moved out of that space into uh, helping out old migrants who had newly arrived migrants in um, transitioning their qualifications and skills to Australian standards. Um, uh, went from there to um, working with unemployed people on projects um, under a work for the doll scheme. Um, it worked on a, a federal government homelessness pilot program that was a brand new initiative and they were testing new concepts and we came up with one. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I'm losing track of all the things I did, but uh, as I say it, but I think they were project-based. Mm-hmm. Um, they were things that I remember at the time thinking, I've got an idea about this in a, a different way, and I think mm-hmm. that would be a recurring theme for me, that um, these were not things necessarily that I just naturally went looking for, but they are things that I felt I could apply a different approach to or skill set or a different set of thinking, and actually were challenging. Mm-hmm. Either it was a brand-new project and nobody knew what to do next, or um, it's a brand-new initiative, or we've completely done the wrong thing and we want to change how we're doing it. So they, they were certainly um, all had an aspect of... Um, sort of transformational change or mm-hmm. newness about them um, or were a clean slate that said we don't know what to do but we'd like to do something different so they seem to have that hallmark mm-hmm. about them and um, they varied in in location and um, uh, purpose um, and also in management and leadership so um, you trace that all the way through though um, Mission Australia itself Formed, um, and I was on the back of some of the transformation from state-based into a national organisation, so mm-hmm. I got to see that at work and the power of sort of collective action. Um, it was one of the differences, just as a side story, coming here into this role, back into a very... We talked about this earlier in the state and the national thing, um, getting my head back around that when I operate in a national space. So I got to see the, those two aspects come together. Um, and then I ran a whole national team, so I got to experience, um, you know, a couple of thousand people in my my team um, working across 350 different locations, and the, everything from Aboriginal communities in the NT through to sort of, um, you know, uber metropolitan areas in Melbourne. So, um, all that's a stretch, right? Challenge. I'd never done that before. Um, again, the hallmark of well, what do we do here, and how do we do it? Um, couple of standouts in there um, for me if you're going to get there. I don't want to jump on your m- moment of those things. No, I'm but enjoying the conversation. You <laughs> take, take it where you will. I, um, I, I got the opportunity actually at that formation of sort of Mission Australia's new approach to things um, t- to step out of the role I was in managing one of the states mm-hmm. um, and what it did into a strategic review and where it would go next. And um, after... At that point, about 17 years in that organisation from that humble sort of King's Cross, that was a real privilege to mm. to be at the pointy end of shaping what came next for this incredible organisation. And um, um, I'd not done that before either, but put my hand up and said, I actually think that insight helps me and the relationship glue helps me mm-hmm. piece together what might come next and actually bring people into that because I actually saw the the importance of getting that right, not just strategically, because I've seen too many strategic plans produced and never delivered mm. and sit on shelves and and the whole organisation, the inertia just sets in and, yeah, we just wait for the next three-year cycle. Um, so I knew that I had enough credibility and stock value in the organisation to be seen as the right person to, mm. to be working on that. So it was an absolute privilege um, mm. and an insight into strategy and how that can form and what, what makes that happen. So... 
that that was a highlight because I've then um, found myself in subsequent spaces and opportunities, um, both here at MS Queensland, but also um, uh, pro bono, mm-hmm. helping others work mm. through that strategy piece. So that that's been a, a lovely sort of um, gift back from that organisation that I I hope I delivered in to them. Um, but also gain a whole set of skills and understand myself that I've applied to a whole range of other mm-hmm. circumstances and, and, uh, and things. But along the way too, there's some really nifty moments. Um, I talked about that um, unemployment program, Work for the Dole. We, we, we built, um, uh, with these, these incredible young people, um, a bunch of boats that uh, were used in the um, Sydney, leading up to the Sydney Olympics for Paralympians to sail on. Okay. And um, we donated those back to disability <coughs> sailing organisations. and. Um, I, I did nothing other than sort of form that little project right. submission, you know. These guys did all the work. But she was something quite profound about watching this wooden boat get built and then all these experiences of people along the way. Um, that, that that stands out. And there were some awards that came with it, which was a really great accolade for the guys that were, were part of that. Well, that was pretty neat. Um, yeah, and, and also um, just seeing breakthroughs in, in opportunity where... You've got great ideas, um, you're passionate about that, you've been working on it um, in small scale but big scale with governments and others and then you see just opportunities just open up mm-hmm. and funding be delivered for something that you've been passionate about for years and how that just got fly, the flywheel turning in other... Yeah, it's just some really... that, that mean things to me. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not awarded, they're not those, but those sorts of experiences, but they're, they're delightful to see... Um, that action of people who are so passionate about things come into fruition and uh, and them deliver into that. And I note uh, while you were there, at some uh, either one or a couple of points, you act as the CEO. Yeah. So um, at what point do you think that you started to think, well, I could be a CEO? You know, um, was that a conscious choice to to um, want to move to you know that level of responsibility? Yeah, I, th- I think. Um it's still, again, it was not some by 2018, I want to be here. That's uh, that's not a bad approach, but it's not one I use. Yeah. But, um, um, but I knew at some point mm-hmm. I would either be called to or there'd be an opportunity I'll put my hand up again. That right. same sort of let's just keep testing yeah. this. Um, so and given that, that, you know, did you start to think, okay... Uh, I had a completely different view of what I wanted to do when I left school. Yeah. Uh, I've kind of fallen into this career, which is now moving into you know very senior, very strategic leadership yes. roles. Did do you think I probably should go back and get some education around yeah, to- business and t- t- totally, totally, and right. still and still do to that yeah. extent. And I think there's there's a sort of little bit of link and overhang here that says. Um, uh, uh, I want to. That's still on my to do list to right. keep filling in the blanks, if you like. Yeah. Um, um, and but I have that's mm-hmm. right, and I think um, that they were really profoundly important moments for for my own sort of self esteem, if you like, yeah. to go actually. So what sort of things did you do? Yeah, so I went. Um, I've uh, I've done some work um, in uh, commerce. I've got mm-hmm. some qualifications in commerce. Um, I've done a heap of work on myself through just professional development opportunities okay. to understand my 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 own mind right. and my own brain. So. Right. So, um, and I was fascinated by this, and in fact, I, I applied some of these things to some of those circumstances mm-hmm. I was in when I was training young people, for example. So, um, an advocate of Myers Briggs and um, strengths based approaches, mm-hmm. um, 
uh, lifestyle of industry, uh, inventories and yeah. leadership profile, you know, a whole range of things that have just given me a whole lot of insight into mm-hmm. myself um, and I activate on a daily basis mm-hmm. in terms of my leadership. Um, I'd, I'd love to get to the MBA space. Um, I don't know why I just think that's important. There's, there's a lot of things that I do today that I know that um, instinctively make yeah. sense and I seem to be able to do, but mm-hmm. I'd love to put labels to them. Um, and I don't know what I don't know and mm-hmm. um, there, there's certainly some, some gaps and... Um, uh, that's on the to-do list. Um, and, um, you know, in our space as an organisation, we, we, we take a strategic view of really wanting to try and apply all the resources we have to the purpose of our mm-hmm. organisation. So th- this isn't some um, woe-is-me statement, but I, I've, in recent years, put some of that on hold yeah. um, uh, to enable the organisation mm-hmm. to me to concentrate on, on it and mm-hmm. things that it does. And um, so, you know, you... Um, uh, I've, I have an MBA, but uh, I have I, it, I go and I talk to MBA schools all the time about you know the value of their MBA yes. in the workplace, and I think that uh, you know people get to a point in their career where they're probably too far beyond. Yeah. I mean, you'd go and do an MBA, sure. and you'd think, well, this is like going back to you know, sure. primary school. So, sure. uh, but what I'm interested in is. Uh, you know, you've done a lot of personal reflection and yes. using tools yes. Um, yes. to give you some insight in terms of your own strengths and opportunities yes. for improvement yes. and so on. When you started to think, wow, you know, I'm going to go into this acting CEO role, where did you sort of personally see your skill gaps and what did you do to make sure that when you got into that role, you were going to make a fist of it? Yeah, so um, they, they very much sat in the on the personal operating style of okay. leadership, yeah. um, not, not in technical skill mm-hmm. um, per se. So um, I, I know it's a whole lot more critical than this, but I saw, for example, the finances, they're just a couple of extra zeros, right? Yeah, the, sure. the, the principles are the same. Yeah. Um, and indeed, I was, I was, I was yeah, looking after a quarter of a billion, billion dollar budget anyway, and I'm mm. thinking you know, it was a step up to a half a billion dollars. and. There's some fantastic people already on top of all of that, and they were my colleagues. So, mm. um, in an acting time, what would really I need to know? So, and also the organisation. I, I was a long-standing staff member, had been through all that journey. So, what somebody probably could tell me about the organisation, you know, I'm not sure that they existed more than I knew. So, it wasn't going to be on that level. It was yeah. actually, um, have I got it in me um, to drive change mm. through? What were my colleagues, and yeah. suddenly aren't anymore? Um, you know, my peers are suddenly now the, their They're reports, all yeah. of that, all of those sorts of challenges that we have to navigate at every step. But mm. suddenly, this was <laughs> the step, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing my own strengths, um, and also uh, the areas for improvement, um, w- would they get in the way? W- would that become some sort of a block, Achilles' heel, or? Um, Knowing well the team around me um, and their strengths and weaknesses um, in an acting capacity, I was likely to reinforce some of that. So, mm. okay, we've got a gap now. What am I going to do about that? So it, it very much sat on that. How will we get this done? Mm. Um, um, and it worked, which is fantastic. And some of that came from just very honest conversations mm-hmm. with, with individuals at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and again... You could see it as a help or hindrance, but I had really great relationships with them. So mm-hmm. there, there's this sort of natural sense of them saying, we actually knew this would be you, mm-hmm. and we knew this would happen, and um, we knew you'd actually come and talk to us about mm-hmm. it. So, so I think that, that kind of all helps that. It would be interesting to sort of step into that in a completely different universe that mm-hmm. said, actually, 
there's another organisation over here that's got an acting slot. Could you just come over and do that? I, mm-hmm. I think it would have been a very different set of circumstances for me and probably even more challenging. Because, because the relationships with the team just aren't there. Correct, correct. Right. And, and, and they're sort of com- very, very well aware and mm-hmm. um, well-rounded team. Mm-hmm. It made my job easy, mm-hmm. put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you stepped or back out of the acting role, yep. or I imagine they probably recruited a permanent person. That it, it was actually um, because the CEO was um, going offline to do other tasks, so there was this sort of step in. Okay. It wasn't a severing of, an end of. It was yeah, do right. this, come back, okay. sabbatical periods, that okay, type of sure. thing. So um, the CEO comes back, and at that point did you say, well... I've got a taste for this. I probably yeah. need to look outside the organisation. Yeah, so we, we, we had some conversations about that um, transparently at the time too. Mm-hmm. Um, what did we learn? What did we not learn? Um, mm-hmm. What would what, what that mean? Um, and certainly there was, there was no surprise that Lincoln is the sort of person that keep putting his hand up mm-hmm. um, to, to try different things. And mm-hmm. so um, once you've done that, what else is there? Um, and I think and you're that, still in Sydney at this point. Yeah, so yeah. I, I was living in Brisbane though, commuting every okay. week. Um, and I think that's an important piece of the puzzle. So um, uh, the, the end of that journey and into the one that I'm here now mm. was a, a confluence of things. Mm-hmm. Some of that we've just started to speak to. Uh, once the rubber bands stretch, what do mm-hmm. you do? Um, but there were still a million things to be done in that organisation, and it still had lots to achieve. And I still felt part of that. But you add into my. I've got two young kids growing up that I saw a few days a week. Yeah. Um, and I had to trade that off against this deep-seated purpose for mm-hmm. this thing I was doing and said, mm-hmm. I actually have to sadly put that to one side now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that was challenging and difficult because it was a wrench in a sense because I'd been in that organisation so long. But I made a call actually to, um, to, to, to come back home full-time in that respect. Um, and if that was going to be true, then what would be next for Lincoln? Right. And so that's naturally became, well, I think I could give this CEO thing a, a proper crack. Sure. And, and let's really test that now. Mm-hmm. I got away with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in an acting world, it seemed to work, but let's let's put that to the test right. really now and so let's so, give it a go. So you have to completely live with your uh, decisions yeah, and Exactly. Let's burn the boats. You know? right. Let's just get it out there and try it. So, and so yeah. how did the MS role come to your attention? Uh, it actually came through one of my mates at Mission Australia who, who th- this story was sort of brewing, if you yeah. like, um, and wh- where would I go? And he actually said, look, I found this. Um, and, you know, um, I, I'm a little ashamed now to admit that I had no idea what MS was. Right. Um, actually, I met lots of people who said the same thing, so maybe mm-hmm. it's not so unfair. But, um, but uh, the further I looked, the more intrigued I got mm-hmm. um, and went, I've got no idea what that is. So they had a vacancy. They did. 28-year incumbency. Uh, right. Yeah. And so part of your due diligence of, do, am I attracted to this role, is like pretty, I better understand what the cause is. Yeah, correct. And right. so that's what became this. That's really intriguing. Right. Um, and then, okay, so is it ticking those boxes? Yeah. Um, I get back home, I do all that, but mm-hmm. what, what, what's the board like? Who is this? And, and there was a sense of, I could do something. Mm-hmm. I, I think I've, I could bring... What others were saying to me, you've just operated on such a big canvas mm-hmm. with thousands of people and all this sort of stuff. And I actually saw the application of all of that in a, yes, relatively smaller context, but mm-hmm. equally as important. And mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, I, I can get my head around this and actually bring all of those resources to bear mm-hmm. to here. Uh, n- not knowing completely at the time what that would mean, 
but the National Disability Insurance Scheme was on the horizon mm. and came into our world and has opened up opportunities for me to really live the dream in that mm. respect. So um, an incredibly um, amazing call as it turned out mm -hmm. um, and I'm just uh, uh, proud of that decision and, uh, and and love every second of it. Great. And so when you were recruited into the role, you, you, um, no doubt the chair or the board said to you, Welcome, Lincoln. Uh, what's the mandate? You know, what what was uh, the the sort of the initial um, key outcomes they were wanting you to drive? Yeah. So so um, quite delightfully, there was just permission to go and have a look under the bonnet yeah. um, and come back with what I thought. Mm -hmm. um, and that was an evol evolving journey of discovery with myself on the board, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and then clear out to get on and get it done. So right. um, that was then looking at. Um, everything we were doing and its strategic importance and place and time and some mm -hmm. of that strategy stuff we chatted about before. Um, um, but, but, yeah, yeah, so sorry to answer your question. Um, uh, it was really redefining what it was, our, our place in the scheme of things mm -hmm. and then committing to a strategic plan to mm -hmm. actually take us where we wanted to go. Um, what guides that, though, was the creation of... Um, a new set of guiding statements for our organisation. Mm -hmm. And um, that was not something I'd gotten to do prior to that time, so mm -hmm. it was a whole new world of discovery. And, I, and now I, I have a, an absolute sense of a great way to go about that and also how profound that can be in, 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 in terms of getting an organisation up and on its feet and moving. So and give giving... us an example of what some of those driving statements were. Yeah, so, so we created um, a vision statement all the way down, vision, purpose, mission and value statements. Yeah. Um, they, they were in sort of bits and pieces around mm -hmm. the organisation but not collated in a way. But we did it in a way that actually got everyone moving mm -hmm. in that direction. Mm -hmm. um, we involved staff in a the process. They selected the values of the organisation. The board were involved. Um, truncating a process down mm -hmm. but the vision of ms queensland is a world free from ms mm -hmm. and it's devastating impact um that's a, a vision in two parts the first part is the eradication of ms we've talked mm -hmm. about that through research the second part is actually dealing with the devastating impacts which is the stuff mm -hmm. we do every day mm -hmm. the reason i've just said that is that's actually what it means and that rolls out into strategy and mm -hmm. it rolls out into action so we've now got a very accountable um direction that we're charting and um, that we monitor mm. ruthlessly. Um, and I knew, you know, defining what it was you did and putting it on posters were important, but I've actually seen what it does mm -hmm. to a group of people who are already committed to something but just needed a bit of clarity to say, that's it. Mm -hmm. And they're 10 steps ahead of me now mm. in, that, in that sense. So... Um, Putting that in place then gave us a beautiful framework to actually then um, set down what was we want to achieve. And then these fundamental transforming um, changes have come into our sector through the National Disability Insurance Scheme. Mm -hmm. And so we're coupling those into where we're going, not, oh, wow, I didn't see that, let's just rejig the whole organisation. We actually know where we're going and these are fitting it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So um, we, we feel very, not necessarily certain about it at mm -hmm. all, but we know where it is we're going and um, uh, we're driving it, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. So um, that's all come from that, I guess, is the, the short answer. Okay. So, so I, I'm just completely wedded to this notion of clarity of vision, mm -hmm. purpose and mission and okay. values that underpin that. And so literally almost 
to the day six years into the role, because I think you started October. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, if you look back over that six years, you know, what are a couple of examples of particular things that you're most proud of that you'd hang your hat on and say, you know, this is, uh, I wanted the opportunity to actually take a proper CEO gig and own and, and yep. deliver outcomes yep. that you look back and you say, well, that was good. So I think one would be what I've just described there, that, that is really re-articulating the organisation's purpose and direction and getting it off a poster mm-hmm. and into reality. Yeah. So a couple of profound things along the way. Um, we then instigated some external annual validation of our culture and our... Um, engagement levels of staff okay and um they're off the charts which is how do you validate culture yeah so um we we use um an organization to measure um how engaged people are around our purpose and our vision and Mm -hmm. our direction um how great it is to work here and so that's an independent validated they've got a database that Mm -hmm. they ask these same Mm -hmm. blah 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 um and we sit really high in that space, and it's lovely to see the journey backwards and forwards across that mm. sort of time period. Um, to know that, yes, I've got a sense that we know where we're going, but actually our staff are saying, yes, that's true, and we believe in mm-hmm. the leadership of the organisation, and we believe in ourselves to do that. Um, but if I just also then take an example, with that clarity, we said, all right, let's look at some of this um, housing that we provide to people with MS. The board said to me, we dabble in this really. We've been at it for 40 or 50 years. Mm -hmm. Um, It's expensive, Um, it's hard to do. We don't do a lot of it. The problem's so great. Is there somebody else better place? So I got right under the bonnet on that. We emerged with a big, hairy, audacious goal. Right. Um, and we're now delivering on that. So we're literally building mm-hmm. things and they're costing huge amounts of money and we've come up with a really clever financial model that nobody in the country seems to have invented that's got investors and other things in it. That's okay. my stock breaking kicking in. Yeah. Um, and it's just incredible. And mm-hmm. that's a whole stack of other people's work, not mine. But it's, it's, it's satisfying to see that actually sits inside that purpose that yeah. sat inside a big, hairy, audacious goal right. that said, find a way to do that. So... They're the things that get me excited. Um, and, and I suppose, you know, you've had a really unique, when I, not to your particular organisation, but to the sector, in that there's been this external, um, uh, uncontrollable element, which is we need to absolutely change the way that we deliver services because yes. of NDIS. Yes. And the cultural implication on that, on your mm. style of organisation, is, I mean, it, it, it's massive. Yes. So it, to be able to maintain an engaged and motivated um, workforce through a period where literally their entire world is changing, that's an amazing accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And it's a day-by-day basis some yeah. days, isn't it? But, um, but what, what we've worked out early on, in fact, it goes all the way back to King's Cross. What I worked out is that um, it's a dangerous place to get between a social worker and their client. Right. Um, th- that relationship is sacrosanct, mm-hmm. paramount. Um, the, the social workers there passionately to sort of support. So I, I figured that out then, um, yeah. and it's true here too. So if I wanted to try and come between that relationship between my staff and people with, with, with MS, mm. I'd better have some rationale that says this is actually going to enhance that. Mm. And so we've repositioned the entire NDIS conversation that, that that's just the whole sort of how money works. Mm. What it does is... It, 
it enables us to do greater, more powerful, more individual things for the people that we serve and mm-hmm. that relationship. And that's what gets my staff mm-hmm. out of bed. So some of it's been about repositioning this logic that said the money will take care of itself if we get that right. Yeah. And so um, we are trying to import some some commercial and other thinking into mm-hmm. this, though. So I don't think this is all new ideas, but it's just fascinating to look sideways and see others trying to apply, for example, a customer experience model Mm -hmm. that we've now embraced and Mm -hmm. said that's actually our value proposition. Um, And, and, you know, I mean, I I work extensively in your space and I've had a lot of CEOs of uh, disability-related not-for-profits on the podcast, guys like Rod Cameron from Autism Queensland and uh, so on and so forth. Um, Is this something that you, in terms of working at how do we do this properly, collaborated with your peers across the different... um, disability-related not-for-profits, or is this largely self-determined? So, um, yeah, I kind of wear two hats at this point, um, and they interconnect, but um, uh, what I've kind of described so far is MS Queensland, but um, we we worked out pretty early on the 3,700 Queenslanders isn't sustainable in a financial sense Mm -hmm. under the NDIS because the majority of those people actually won't receive funding or other support, and if we were to derive some level of income from that, that was going to be problematic. Um, it was probably the second week I arrived in October that I actually picked up the phone and rang every CEO that I could find in my space. Right. Um, I didn't know what I didn't know, and, and I felt clumsy. Um, mm. I wanted to know what other people were up to mm. because that was the time the board was saying, should we be doing some of this? And I thought, well, I might bump into somebody who's got this thing licked, and in fact, mm. you know. Um, and we had lunch together at my instigation, and we've met every month ever since. And so right. we've actually created a network called the NeuroCare Network. And we discovered that 80% the... of NeuroCare Network. Okay. And out of that's come this opportunity that said, you know, our hunch is that 80% of what we're wrestling with is quite common to us. Yeah, yeah. MND, motor yep. neuron disease, isn't MS, and it's not Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. But those three groups of people actually have trouble with balance. Mm-hmm. Why don't we look at that? Mm-hmm. Five of us are driving up the road to Toowoomba to do really similar things. Why don't we look at that? I own a property here at Dutton Park, but I might want to move because I want to unlock the property value of this. Mm-hmm. And you, you over there in um, Parkinson's are in kind of an industrial area in Springwood, and you at Alzheimer's Queensland are in a sort of day-by-day lease situation, Will and Gabbard. Why don't we look at that? Mm. So we've had these projects pop out of this, and we've actually started an NDIS business together. Mm-hmm. Um, as a spin-off called Spark NeuroCare, and okay. it's a front door to the NDIS for all of those progressive neurological conditions. And we ran a proof of concept in the last 12 months. Um, 100 customers have come through our doors. We've generated $4 million worth of NDIS funding for mm-hmm. them. Ticked a bunch of boxes. So I think that's pretty cool to be part of and leading, but it's actually also a strategy to deliver into people with MS because it gives me scale that I can't get on my sure. own. So. That was the value proposition to all the other partners, though. Mm-hmm. You, if I'm going to struggle, well, there's even less people with M&D and there's mm-hmm. even less people mm-hmm. with, with uh, Huntington's. So mm-hmm. if I've got a scale problem, you definitely have mm-hmm. too. So why don't we collaborate there? So mm-hmm. that's been fascinating um, and good fun. It's like herding cats. Yeah. Um, but um, again, I think with a singular focus that says this enables us to do more, mm-hmm. enables us to be better, faster, cheaper for that purpose... Mm-hmm. It's not about glory and it's not about the money and it's not about these other things um, has allowed it to stay true to its course. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure where that's going to go next, but we are actively exploring a co-location opportunity in 
now offer sense. So mm-hmm. that, that'll be interesting how that transpires. But it, it's created a, a really interesting conversation that I think probably got driven by the NDIS saying yeah. actually it's starting to rattle our cage. But um, how could we work better together to see if we can come up with a different solution to mm-hmm. this problem? So uh, looking to the future now, you know, we've already talked a, a bit around this in terms of... Um, you know, MS, but you know, what are the things that you're excited about for MS Queensland? And also, what are the things you're excited about for your own career? Yeah, um, I, I just like seeing it unfold from a career point of view. Um, as I said, I'm, I've probably been really poor at that um, next step piece. It mm-hmm. kind of unfolds or emerges for me. Um, and, and I think I've still got plenty to do here. Right. Um, but... Uh, so I'd like to keep doing what I'm doing and uh, transforming and guiding us through what we're, we're about. Um, for MS Queensland, though, um, again, the NDIS offers incredible opportunities for people who have been profoundly missing out. Mm-hmm. And so we're excited to really make that work for them and us. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it, it's challenging and it's lumpy and it's confronting and it's chaotic and it's exciting all at the same time. Um, but to see our organisation, one, make that transition um, would be exciting. But two, um, it's hard fundraising and we depend on that. Um, and it's hard um, sort of getting by. And this transformation also offers um, financial sustainability to our organisation that I think will liberate us from... Um, some perspectives that we continue mm-hmm. to hold because it's just hard financially um, and that will be great and I think allow us to really step up our particularly our contribution to research mm-hmm. and power that ahead on a greater scale but also allow us to take more risks and try new things um, because in an environment today where it's so constrained often financially it's difficult to do that and the innovations come in in little tiny small steps when in fact we might have a profound new idea. We just can't risk it all at this mm-hmm. point. So, uh, so I think um, the next few years are going to be transforming um, for us. I know that's what everyone would say, but um, we're very, very optimistic about that because it offers that 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 opportunity um, for us. And I and I guess ultimately that's what the last six years have been positioning us mm-hmm. for. Um, tell you what, though. Um, Getting back to what happens next for Lincoln, if we find a cure for MSG, I'd love to be out of a job for that reason. <laughs> I, I, I would uh, be the happiest man. Um, MS can be a very, very difficult thing, and mm. I think to, to know that we were a small part of a, mm. a bigger body of work that's maybe found that that, that would mm. be a, a truly satisfying outcome. And uh, I'd find something else, of course, sure if, the, if, the, if that one. Well, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, not often my own, but uh, uh, and I'm fascinated by all of the new. Uh, research and technology around longevity and mm. you know the sort of predictions about how long people will live for yes. and and the uh, amazing new um, ways to ensure not only do you live for a long time but you live healthily for a yes. long time yes. so I think this idea of um, you know I'm 49 now I mean the reality is I'll probably be working well into my 70s yep. as yep. I'm sure yep. you yep. probably will yep. so it, it I mean that's a long time yes. I mean that you could have an entire two yes. or three new careers Indeed. Uh, in that period. Very so, true. Uh, Very true. It's a bit daunting. It's Very a bit true. exciting. You know. And, and I, it is interesting because um, I have conversations a lot with people in the commercial world who mm. look longingly across the divide and think, if only I could get there because I'd be making a difference in the yeah. world and, and surely it's not <clears> as chaotic <throat> and wild. Yeah. I think, yeah, well, be careful what you wish for. But... Um, but I try to beckon and encourage them because our sector needs new thinking and, and um, 
and, and often a more commercial approach Absolutely. to what it does. Um, Particularly at a board level. You know, yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, for eight and a half years of running Arata, I've always recruited non-executive directors for mm. not-for-profit boards for free. That's my way of making a social contribution and, and very much so... You know, there is, uh, you know, there's the mum and the dad who are on the board because their child's got the, the particular disability. Yes. They want to be there because of that heart connection. Yes. But in terms of bringing strategy and leadership mm. and, you know, um, commercial acumen and so on, there's been a massive, you know, revitalisation of boards. Um, and to draw people across who are coming because they have the altruistic desire yes. coupled with the commercial acumen is yes. very important. Absolutely. C- couldn't agree more. And particularly when you, you find yourself wrestling with some of these mm-hmm. these, these big structural and other changes mm-hmm. that, that far surpass, I think, anything that's ever come before in our space and and needing all of the, the skill sets to deal with it. I think that's true. What's interesting, though, um, I, I see the commercial world almost saying, but we haven't got some stuff right on this side either. Mm. Particularly, I think, um, the human-to-human piece, the, um, the self-awareness, um, n- not always true, of course, but at, not, and it's not just the softer side, that's not, not my point, but I wonder if there's also a bridge the other way that begins to recognise the capability in the, the sort of health and human services side of things and say, actually, we need a bit of that too, because I think it's, it seems almost a bit one way that when, when I've done this, I'll go over there and yeah. do good things, and I think, actually, there's some, some amazing people um, that I meet who are just profound leaders mm. that they might be sort of fish out of water mm. if you threw them in the commercial world, but they'd make a huge go of it, and well, they'd, they'd, it, they'd be amazing, and I think there's often not a... You could go the other way too. Oh, it almost seems like it's one one yeah. way. Yeah. I've never even really thought about that before. But you know, just thinking is through this conversation is that, I mean, um, uh, organisations, uh, corporates are having to deal with diversity and mm. they're having to mm. deal with inclusion and they're having to deal with a lot of uh, elements of attracting and retaining staff yes. uh, and attracting and retaining customers that they just didn't care about twenty years <laughs> sure. ago. And yet, in your environment, yes. that's been the foundation. Oh of the whole yeah, thing. Life so life. Yes. Um, I can imagine that there would be people who have become extraordinarily good at uh, the soft elements of diversity and inclusion yes, and yes. so on that would have great appeal to big corporates who say, mm. you know what, we need to catch up here. Yes. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think people give me feedback that one of my skill sets, um, and they actually see this as, well, I'm good at what I do, mm. is that people are people... You know, the examples of the NeuroCare Network, people would say, how the heck did you you pull that together mm. and keep that going? Mm. And, with, and I think it, it, it's on this level that I, I know is translatable to mm. other aspects mm. and other fields where people are going, we actually don't get how to do mm. this. Um, so I, I just encourage people to say, actually, you, you, there's incredible opportunities in our sector mm-hmm. career-wise, but I also think it could be the other way too. That yeah, there's right. opportunities to sort of flip out of here. And as you right. say, with, with a long road ahead, um, mm. I'd like to think there's there's tons of things I end up doing that I just didn't see today in this discussion mm. and um, that's plan E, F and G. <laughs> well, artificial intelligence is going to have such a massive impact mm. on you know, uh, automation of so many roles yes. that those people coming out, uh, I mean you can't really automate the provision of care mm. and if people have got more time um, and they need to, uh, I suppose, um, uh, reorient their own career, you know, this is a way mm. that mm. they can uh, potentially work in this sphere, yes. not necessarily full-time, but, yes. uh, you know, be able to get some, you know, 
broader meaning and depth to their careers as well, I suppose. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah. And uh, sort of final, final comment is that it is profoundly satisfying. People mm. say that's what they look at me and, and sort of longingly and mm-hmm. yearn for that, but it's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. I, I get a kick out of what I do. Um, I, I love seeing the tangible reality of the difference we make, mm-hmm. and um, that that's gold. It's it's priceless, really, to know that um, you've made somebody's life better today. And mm-hmm. um, and I know we do that by extension, probably in everything we do. Mm-hmm. But you get to see it; it's in front of you here, and um, that there's something deeply rewarding about. Sure, that. we talked a lot about business today. So just to sort of close it out, what does Lincoln like to do when he's not at work? So I um I mentioned the flying thing. So I, I had a license at one point. Um, and due to money and time and other things, but I glide if I can, because um, that's a whole lot. No, glide. no, yeah, right. Um, that that's a whole lot easier. But um, I've got two um, uh, uh, teenage girls. I was going to say, what do you call them when they're sort of getting out of the teenage years? So Hannah's um, uh, nineteen and Josiah's um, sixteen. Uh, Hannah's to start university and um, Josiah's in year eleven. So they're getting at that end. So, but we still do things together as a family. Right. Um, Married to Julie, so a lot of family stuff happens outside of that time. I'm, I'm actively involved in a church, and yeah. that, that, that's um, that's great too. Um, Still with the Salvation Army? No, it's actually with the Baptist Church, okay. uh, uh, Gateway Baptist. Right, plug there. Um, a great place to be, and um, the sort of wider family network I spoke about mm-hmm. 50 minutes ago yeah. um, keeps me busy too. So, sure. a lot, lot of stuff, um, but I actually enjoy pottering around at home. Okay. Mowing the lawn, doing uh, all those sorts of things. Is Bunnings your favourite place to hang out? Yes, probably. Oh, really? Probably. probably. Oh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think um, in a job where um, I'm on show 14 hours a day yeah. and talking to people and all those sorts of things, there's a nice little bit of a retreat at home for oh, me. And that Where's the so. next holiday? Uh, it's like we're heading down to Sydney in a couple of weeks um, okay. for some 21sts, right. uh, again, the family thing. Um, but we'll grab a Christmas, which will be nice too. Oh, so. That'll be a, good, a, lot, a lot of fun when okay. I get there. Great. Yeah. Well, look, before we wind it up, uh, because I know you've got plenty of things to get on with, yeah, anything that you'd like to finally add or uh, anything that we haven't touched on today that you would like to leave the listeners with? Uh, no, I think we've covered it all. Um, and thanks for the opportunity. I, I think I did say that uh, earlier on that some people see MS as an invisible disease. There's mm-hmm. not that many people affected, although I am continue to always be surprised when I raise it somebody knows somebody mm-hmm. um, so it's just one delightful I know we've talked all about me but it's also an opportunity for me to talk about people with MS and mm-hmm. um, that raises awareness it's in people's minds maybe they've heard something today about it that they've gone oh, I remember the re- MS readathon or sure. something else and um, and maybe they'll bump into someone and you go actually I don't know much about them but I've heard this organisation could maybe help you mm-hmm. so that would be another plug that if you, if you mm-hmm. bump in, if anyone listening bumps into anyone with MS and they need something um get online or get get in touch with us um, Great. and we'll do what we can to help. Well, certainly in our show notes, we'll have a link to uh, your LinkedIn profile and the organisation's website and so Great. on. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, people can definitely reach out if they've got a, an you. appetite to do so. Thanks very much, Lincoln. I really appreciate your time today and have a fantastic weekend. Thank you. Okay. Well, thanks again for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Lincoln. I'm looking forward to having you along for future episodes of the RHA podcast. And in the meantime, have a fantastic week.